Hey, it's Chris Lindsay, and you're listening to Pitch List, the songwriter's podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Chris Lindsay, and this is another edition of Pitch List. I am really excited about today's show. I got to sit down with the fabulous Lori McKenna, and uh, we talked about songwriting and life about her career and living in Boston and working in Nashville. We really covered a lot of subjects, and she had some really incredible things to say. I'll be honest with you, I love Lori McKenna as an artist and a person. And really, I can't decide which one I like more. She has a long list of accomplishments in the songwriting business. Um, She's won back-to-back Grammys for Girl Crush and Humble and Kind. She continues to this day to get big songs cut, and she's rocking. I got to sit down with her downtown at the Noel Hotel. Without any further ado, here's my talk with Lori McKenna. Good morning. Welcome to Allergy City. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) Today we have a really, really special guest. We are in the lobby of the Noel Hotel, which is really gorgeous. Looks like a, is it Art Deco, you think? I don't know if it is because I don't don't really love Art Deco, but this is really pretty, isn't it? Maybe, yeah, maybe before. I I don't know. It's really an old building. Looks like they've redone it. It's old school. It's really well done. Yeah, and it's absolutely drop dead gorgeous. I didn't even know this was down. We're in downtown Nashville. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't say. Our special guest today is Lori McKenna. (laughs) What if we never say and then people just be like, I don't know who that is. (laughs) And when I walked in, I was telling you, Lori, I'm like, I'm I'm sorry, my allergies are just kicking my butt. And And I am with you. Dang it, man. This is, uh, allergies are always bad here, but they are real. This year, it is rough. Mm-hmm. Boston had hit last week. It really did. Really? Is that when it, yeah, because yeah, y'all are colder. It takes mm-hmm. a while for the spring to bloom and everything. Yeah, it just, boom, last week. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's Lori and Chris on their weather podcast. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know how I got us on that. Sorry. No, no, I love it. I made a list last night. I kind of just did some notes because I've known you for a long, I, we probably know, I don't even know how long. We've known each other for yeah. a long time. I think you were one, You and Amy were probably one of the first people I met when I started coming really? here to write. And now, were you writing for Universal at that time, or I read that you started with Harlan Howard? Yeah, I was writing for Melanie Howard. That's the reason I'm here, is because Mary Gaucher gave um, a record I made called Bittertown to Melanie Howard. Wow. And she played some songs for Missy Gallimore, and Missy played them for Faith. Literally, like, I had never pitched a song. Like my now that I know kind of how it works, like my story is like, sh- like it's like it's like I keep saying, it's like I won the lottery, but I I didn't buy a ticket. Like, like the lottery called me up well, and said you win. But from an outside <laughs> perspective, you're that good. I mean, people loved your stuff. That's why they were doing that. I always say it, you know, on the podcast that we're doing, we talk a lot about you know people that are just moving to town or not just moving but in the beginning phase of their writing career and i always say that you know a lot of a lot of younger writers think that they can be frozen out of this thing and it's political yada yada mm-hmm. but as your story shows you had some incredible music and people shared it very quickly with people who could do things well it was there was so much luck involved in what 
what happened to me. It really, you know, it's like I didn't know. I was, you know, making records up in Boston, doing shows in the Northeast, and I didn't mm. know. I knew Nashville is like this magical place because I had heard about, like, all oh, the writers are in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I had heard, you know, also, like, don't go to Nashville, change the way you write. And I had heard all the, all the stories, um, but didn't know a soul here. And then Mary Gaucher moved here, who was a friend of mine. We mm-hmm. started together on a record label up north called Signature Sounds. And um, we were always just pals. And um, she moved here, and then she started sharing my music. And that's really how it all happened. Wow. So you said that you you wondered if Nashville would change your music. I'm I'm guessing in a negative way. Is yeah, that I actually didn't wonder that. I was warned that. I okay. was warned, like, because I at that time I had never co-written a song. I um I had like three or four records done by that point, and I had never I didn't even know how to co-write a song. And so the warning was, it's gonna mess you up. You're not someone that can co-write. You know, you've never done it. It's, it's not probably not going to be good for you it's going to change what you do and what I ended up finding um, you know my first co-write was I think Mark D. Sanders Wow. my second one was Sarah Evans you know what I mean yeah, like they yeah. just threw me in and, um, and then Liz Rose and Mark D. and Liz Rose taught me how to co-write and I loved it and I still love it I love it love yeah, it love it's it. a great experience it, yeah it, and it's a totally different thing than writing on your own but it's made me so much of a better writer I, on my I, own I, as well. Yeah, I can see that. And you started out with two people who are really good. Yeah. You know really what I mean? Lucky. That's great because uh, <laughs> Mark was having huge hits at that time. Uh-huh. Like lots of hits. Yeah. And so was Liz. Um, and he knew the craft of, he knew like to sort of hand, he, I think he, he knew that I was a writer before an artist. But he, right. there was that artist piece of however small it is in my world. Um, he he kind of taught me how to how to write with an artist in a way too, and Liz mm-hmm. too. And then I learned. I, then I started really paying attention. Like when I get in the room with Barry Dean or in an artist, like mm-hmm. I just started watching the people that I knew. I loved what they did, and then I watched what they did. We you know when a third got in the room because right. for a lot of time, a lot of years, it was just two people. There wasn't the three ways as much. Right. You know, yeah. ten years ago. 12 I guess years ago. Amy and I often did three ways, but. We kind of worked together a lot, so we were yeah. adding one person still made it a three-way. Yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. definitely back when I started, uh, publishers discouraged three-ways. They didn't like them. Yeah, I think there was still a tiny bit of that. It you, really does change the room, doesn't it? I, I think three people's a magic number for yeah. a commercial hit. Yeah, yeah. I think, you, some, I, I think it really does change it. Now, you said something interesting. You said learning how to write with an artist right mm-hmm. which is a different skill set than yeah. just if you're in the room with a writer although you're a great artist yourself so do you do you get in a room in that scenario and just leave your artistry behind i think that's one of the reasons why i loved co-writing it's because every day you show up and you don't know what you're going to be that day like you could be the like you could be yep, the artist yep. you even if there's an artist in the room they might not be feeling it and you could mm-hmm. sort of have to be the artist that day like this is my story let's try here right or you can be the cheerleader or you can be the you know mm. the the editor you could you know this get the there's so many different roles the therapist yes <laughs> yeah to me i'm always like should i mother this person does this person <laughs> want mothering uh, you know what i mean and it's like mm. i think we all have things that the, out of all those jobs that we all have to do mm-hmm. as a co-writer no matter what like everybody i know we it's one of those things sure. and, and even more 
we there's certain ones that we're really good at right and then other ones that we can get better at and we you know sort of are up for the challenge you know and that's really good you're right that's right i think and when you maybe do you think that when you get in those scenarios where this group dynamic is asking you to do the thing you're best at that's the best way to do it like I think when it falls into that, you know, yeah. I, I don't think any 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 publishers probably sitting around and saying, "Well, you know, Chris is good. You know, he can he can get the beat, and and Laurie can be the therapist, yeah. and, and and Amy can, be, you know, well, I guess Amy could, you know, cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess if we just all showed up together someday, like that might be like where we landed just mm-hmm. on our own. I don't know if they pick it apart that way as much. I as don't we know do. either. It's I interesting because then some days, you know as you probably have had happen one of your great friends walks in and they something just happened to them and mm-hmm. they're like let me tell you what happened oh yeah. my god and then suddenly you're writing that yeah and it's about their grandfather and it it doesn't sound commercial at all but at the end of the day everyone's crying and mm-hmm. you just like my husband works for the gas company like he never has a day like we have. i did want to ask you about gene and your family mm-hmm. i think that's a really interesting part of your story that you still live in Stoughton, right? Yep, very south, good. South uh, Boston. Yep. Are you a Southie? Would you? No, that... I'm south of Boston, which okay. is that of makes it all very different. Okay. Yeah, so I'm about 20 miles south. So, and you and Jean have you've raised five children. Yep. Yeah. And you you still live there today, right? Yes. And you come to Nashville to visit. Yeah. I think that's really unusual. Yeah, and I think for a long time I worried that oh I'm not here I'm not I don't I can't network. I can't, you know, like go out, you know, to dinner mm-hmm. some night and see somebody and then talk about a song or get a co-write, you know what I mean? Um, and now over the years I've learned that it's really beneficial for me to not live here because I still love Nashville like today as much as I did 12 years ago when I first stepped oh, in okay. this town. And I also am not an everyday writer. Mm-hmm. And if I lived here, I would want to write every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would be healthy for my well, writing. Well, that's really cool. So you feel like you're not as jaded as you might be if you lived here full time. And your schedule's not as heavy. So you, I think sometimes writing four and five days a week does deplete you. If yeah. like, you know, you just run out, your ideas are all gone. You're just kind of showing up to a writer's appointment going, oh, I hope they've got something. Yeah. I'm- I think I'd just be overwhelmed. I jaded. I, I don't know if I've ever felt jaded about anything. No, I'm saying you, from you. Overwhelmed. From your, I would overwhelmed. Be. overwhelmed. Yeah. Okay. I would. I would. I would lose balance a lot more. I still lose balance, but mm-hmm. it just, you know, traveling yeah. and all that. And, but, um, but over the years I've learned that this is actually a really good thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly. Yeah. I mean, clearly I've just, I made some notes. It's like, okay. Uh, back-to-back Grammys for uh, uh, Girl Crush and Humble and Kind. <laughs> That's kind of working out. That was wild. Those are two incredible songs. Well, I was very. Lu- I just. It's uh, there's so much luck in. I understand. In my story, but it's. And there's now- not, but but Lori, there's not luck when you do it twice in a row. Well, and that's not the only time you've, you've had. <laughs> it's not luck. You're incredible there's at this. You're. The- you know, the Girl Crush story is so crazy to me because we, well, we all talk about it so much because mm-hmm. it's like our, uh, uh, me and Liz and Hillary, you know, mm-hmm. who wrote that song with, it's like, that's our song, you know, every night, like, that's going to be the last song you sing every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that story is so wild because, so Liz Rose, Hillary Lindsay, and myself, we write all t- together mm-hmm. um, all the time, about every other month for three days straight. And we call ourselves the Love Junkies. And, and Karen Fairchild and Kimberly Schlappman are sort of, 
love junkies as well, just because we write with them a lot, too. Okay. They were coming to Liz's house at like 11 o'clock in the morning one day to write. And Liz and I woke up at like 8.30. And we were like, are we going to write or not? Like, do we have time? And Hillary came down. I gave her that title. And she sang the first four lines of that song. Wow. And I know you've seen her I be seen a genius like that. Yes, I have. So, God, it's like I felt like the luckiest person in the universe to have witnessed somebody be that smart so like the magic came mm-hmm. through her right and she looked at me and Liz and she said you mean like that and we were like Liz, oh, did Liz. somebody record that <laughs> I wish we had that recorded yeah. I mean because Hillary probably didn't even remember that's what she did but I sure as hell did but that's that's the uh, co-writing that's the great co-writing uh, experience you know is. you had this incredible idea and man it just threw her into fifth gear but it wasn't an idea I had nothing but the title I but didn't that's know a great what title. it was but it was she could have we could have gone anywhere with that sure. that could have been up tempo not that we're great at up, not that I, I'm great at up I understand but that's just what but she, she heard she channeled it she did. It was just yeah, so... Yeah, she just hooked right up to the main frame and took it down. That's my favorite day. Like yes, when you, yes. Even if it's just for 30 seconds in the day that you got mm-hmm. to see one of your friends be magic like that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just what, the best. Do you think, I think that's what we come back for. That's it's what we keep coming gotta back be. for. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's the best fit. Even when you have a song like that and ever, oh, if you win awards and it's a big song on the radio, I still don't think that's as a great a feeling as just the initial magic that yeah. happens when you yeah. know... And we would have always had that if nobody heard the song. If Karen didn't walk in and said, what have y'all been writing? And we mm-hmm. put, because the minute they heard it, they wanted it. And it was, done, yeah. you know, it was happening. But if nothing else came of that song, we, the three of us would have had that moment where we saw that come out of her face and just, it just be this magical experience. Well, it's one of those ideas, Girl Crush, where when I first heard it, I'm just like, oh my God, that is, that's the perfect thing because that, this idea is something you know that girls know very much about mm-hmm. and even guys have seen them that way yeah and no one's ever put their finger on it yeah you but know? i'm not even sure if hillary thought about it before she sang it like that's one of those things it's like just because it was so fast and then we knew it was kind of our only question was does it make sense are people mm-hmm. going to get it and we played it for scott ponce and he got it right away yeah and um so it was like oh cool and it's then that Karen, weird to me that weird uh, jealousy, admiration thing that women yeah. have yeah. for each other. Yeah. Where it can go from claw your eyes out to, I really <laughs> love this girl. Yeah. Now, do you think that um, living in south of Boston with your husband and your kids and living, you know, now I know you're making records and you're touring, so you're not like a normal mom and mm-hmm. a wife, but do you think that that experience helps you be a better writer? or Because you, you don't get caught into the, there's a group think that goes on in music row, you know, from the writers where they're, you know, this is what works, this doesn't work. I've always wondered for you if it really gives you a better perspective. Well, closer to fans, you know, because I think this town can get kind of squirrely about, uh, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I think I know what you mean. Like, it's sort of like Nashville's sort of a magical place. It's a little mm-hmm. bit in a bubble. A little bit in a and bubble. And if you stay in, yes. in, your, in your crowds and you just, you know, mm-hmm. in your whole world becomes writing songs, going to award shows, you know, right. reading the charts, like that's, would you lose perspective of the rest of the world out there? I think there? you can. I think you do. I think that's why I think that it's beneficial for me to live somewhere else. That's what I think too. 
Uh, and it's also beneficial for me to have five children because children keep you, as you know, oh, yeah. in check more yeah, than I, anything else. We have four. It's like, <laughs> you know what I always say? It's like, you know, the great thing about kids and the terrible thing is they don't give a shit. They, they are honest. They are not impressed with awards, <laughs> oh, especially goodness. in country music. No, no. They're no. like, you know, could you please yeah. get an award on MTV or something? This is horrible. <laughs> they just want to know what's for dinner. Yeah. And that, um, that is, uh, but for me, I would not have started if I didn't have my kids because I did have a fear early on. Well, I had a lot of fears, but one of them was I had seen people just like in the Boston folk world that, um, you know, had given their, their, their like heart to music and they and in turn hadn't like found somebody to right. fall in love with or gotten married have children whatever yeah and they were you know it was it, they you could see that in them that like mm-hmm. um it was hard it's a hard that's a hard I, choice I, and you know uh, and we know some people um here in town some ladies that it's something that does happen in the business. Yeah, it happens I, to men and women. And men and women. And, 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 and I had, I was scared of that early on. And, me too. And, and, but I had children. I had Brian when I was 19. So it's like I had children yeah. already. And I knew that that wouldn't happen to me because yeah. I already had, by the time I started, I had three kids. And I knew that if music wasn't going to be something that I was good enough to do, it did it, I wasn't going to kill me because I yeah, already had because you had kids. your real life. I had my kids and that was what I was supposed to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree and I think it was Mark D. Sanders told me one time in County Q. It was when I was first starting out. Of course, we uh, adored him. I mean, we yeah, just stand around and listen to every word he said. Uh-huh. He was right and then we were just like, Mark, tell us something. You He's know? so great. And he said this thing and I've never forgotten it. He said, uh, you can love the music business, but it will not love you back. Yeah, so true. And that's it's what so we're talking true. about. And but I it will say, gift you. It will oh, bless no, you. Oh, no, it's it's, a, it, it's the best job I've ever had, and I don't want to give it up. I can mm-hmm. tell you that right Me now. Me too. But in the end of the day, it's your friends and your family. You still have, yeah. you need that, and not even what they call balance. I think you just need that perspective. Exactly. It's very helpful. Because, I and agree. I think kids are really great for that. I, yeah, I was working with a young rider the other day. They got a baby on the way, and he's got like a bunch of good holes, but he hasn't had a hit. Yeah. And, he, you know, he's really sweating it, you know. But sometimes you need the baby, then you get the That's hit. That's what I told him. I said, <laughs> hey, let me tell you something I heard a long time ago, and it has been true for me and everybody I've known. Mm-hmm. Every baby comes with a loaf of bread. Yep. It's and so, they do. It happens said, to women all the time. Yeah, you should just, once this baby comes, have another one. Yeah. Your career will go through the roof. I've seen it a hundred times. Yes. Look at Nicole Galleon. She's got, she's chasing two little kids around. Yeah. She's got yeah. like five songs on yeah. the charts. Well, and Amy, uh, when we had, we had three little kids running around and, you know, we're trying to ride every day. Yeah. And it is madness, but there's something grounding about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really, they're really beneficial that way they really are and uh and of course they're really annoying too when they get to be teenagers we watched our 16 year old got his took his driver's test yesterday yeah got his final license he did and i videoed him driving out of the driveway for the first time on his own and man it's just you know i know you know i know you have driver this isn't your oldest is it no, no, no. Yeah. I have a 20-year-old yeah. and a 17 or almost yeah. 18. This was the middle, the yeah. third one. He's 16 and he's driving. Yeah. You know. My daughter just got her license and it's like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. And I just, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be dad, but I just tell him over and over, don't do this. Don't do this. When you get to this light, you know I that know. light down there is the most dangerous thing you're going to do <laughs> on your whole journey. Yeah. Please look. You know, it's like, so you oh. just need to write that down because that's why I wrote Humble and Kind. I just really? wrote it all down. 
That's I true. Oh, okay, I get that. Because when I travel, I may I leave sticky notes like all over the place. <laughs> like put the dishes in the dishwasher. Like this is the dishwasher. It opens, you know. <laughs> and they, I come home and they're like, I didn't see the note. I, there was a note, and yeah. so I was like, I'm just gonna write it all down. <laughs> That's crazy. Now I remember uh, Amy and I visited up there and worked with you one time. Davy is your youngest. Is that yeah. Um, now when we were up there, Dave, how old is Davy now? He's 14. Yeah, he was five or six. Yeah. Jumping off the couches. Yeah, he wrecked he a lot of couches. He was a great kid. I like, he's great. He has a great personality, even he really as a does. little kid. Yeah, he's got, he, is a, he is a people person. Is he? Yeah, uh, I can see that. A very physical people person. I don't know exactly what he's going to end up doing, but he, um, he, they all are. And it's funny that, as you know, because you have four kids, it's like they're all so different. Yeah, completely, 100%. They're all so different. But my two of my oldest three are songwriters. But my youngest kids really? who have grown up the most in the music business really, like, can't, don't, don't want anything to do with it. You know, all I'm like, of ours are like that. I'm like, don't you want to take piano lessons or guitar? They're like, no. My 10-year-old told me, she's pretty smart, and she said, I want to do my own thing. Mm. I don't want to do yeah. what you and Mama do. Right. I want my own thing. I yeah. was like, I get that. My daughter had a moment. I have one girl and four boys, and we were at... This was years ago. She was young, much younger, but she, some, everybody, we were at a family event where she hadn't seen a lot of family members for a while, and she was asked if she was going to be a songwriter about 20 times that night. Uh-huh. And it really shook her. She was about 12, I guess, at the time, and she's like, why does everybody think I want to be a songwriter? You know, and I was yeah. like, nobody, want, like, don't, like, I think for a moment she thought she had to be. You know, yes. because everyone I think kept that telling our, her. Our girl Lola her. is the same thing. Yeah, and because they don't. They want. They want to be themselves. Thank God. Yeah, they do. This needs to be a passion. Oh God, you don't you want to do that. this I mean, unless your heart is hundred yeah, percent. Unless yeah. somebody can't beat it out of you, really. Yeah, yeah. That's what I always say. Like when I'm ninety, if I can still play a G chord yeah. and a C chord, I'm still gonna want to write songs. Yeah. You know, we say it all the time, but it is therapy to us, and we. You know. Yeah, I think it's how we interpret our feelings. Like this is what we do with our emotions even if we hold them in for like two weeks Mm -hmm. when we want to you know unpack them that's how we unpack them thanks for listening pitch list will be right back after the break I want to talk about one thing before we let you go you've got a new record coming out I do on the 20th yes it's called The Tree it is. Produced by Dave Cobb. Yeah. I was reading you did it at the old RCA studios. Yeah. That's the one next to Ben Fold's place. Yes. The big green building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, or was it Ben Fold's place? I is don't it know. The big green it's studio, one? A studio with this A and B. What studio was I in? <laughs> Wherever Dave Cobb was, that's where I was. Okay. Uh, but it's in the big RCA building mm-hmm. where the tour bus is always outside. Yeah, yeah. Like the, you where know, like the Everly brother, yeah, Brothers recorded yeah. and Elvis. It's just magical in there. It's just like, so. it's you know, wide open. Like yeah, I'm uh-huh. sure you've been in there a hundred yeah. times. But um, And I, I did this record just like the last one, but the last one we made at Dave Cobb's home studio. So oh, okay. this was a different um, experience just because we were in this, you know, this historic building. Um, but same same you know same we, Brian Allen and Chris Powell Dave mm-hmm. Cobb and myself and we just and the engineer Matt Ross Brang and we just sit down and play the songs and that's my favorite way to make a record it sounds amazing thank sonically, you sonically it's thank really you. beautiful well that's their magic that's what yeah. and I've I, I you know I've never worked with the same producer other than Marcarelli I've never I've always like by the time I got to another record I needed something different mm-hmm. 
And I feel like once we made the bird and the rifle with Dave, it's like, oh, this this was this was great. You know, okay. like I got to make a record here once, you know, back in the day with mm. Tim McGraw and Byron Gallimore. Yes, and that was like right. that gave me so much confidence that all these people would be here to play my little songs, you know, and <laughs> that was a great experience just because I had never done anything like that studio-wise, but I d normally do not like to be in the studio. I would really? ask Barry Dean, I would much rather just go and write another song than really? record so you the don't, one we you just don't, wrote. You don't, do you guys build it from one track from the ground up, or do you track with several musicians together? He just tracks live. We just play you it play live. all together. That's amazing. And then Dave will overdub a couple of things here and there, but for the most part, it's just so that. It, and that is so great because you can, you, you can feel and hear what's going on right there. Yeah. This is the record, and when you hear it, you're like, yep, yeah, that's right, or yeah. no, that's not. That's really the only way for me now that I know that wow. that's possible. Do you, do you get most of your vocals on those live takes? Yeah, you have to, because you're all, like me and Dave oh, and Brian right. are in the same room. Your... Yeah, we're just, you know, oh, playing. Wow. So you're I'm get playing the whole rhythm, and he's playing lead, and um, electric, you know, they would they would overdub right after, you know, just do it right yeah. after. Yeah. So um, keep, the, keep the heat. Yeah, there's no fix it <laughs> and it's funny because i trust dave cobb so much that if he says i got it i believe him mm -hmm. and i'm not as you could probably tell from anything i've recorded and i'm not a perfectionist because i do like those oh, well, emotional right. mistakes um and so if he every single time he's told me i i got it i did and if he said i didn't i didn't like it was he's always right like so for that's me, really he's valuable to right. you that's something you completely trust their judgment 100 percent <clears throat> Excuse me, especially since you're cutting live like that. Yeah. Like you said, there's no you, other way to do it. You'd you, go crazy. No. Yeah, you would yeah. because you can't redo the vocals. And really, in that scenario, you can't even say that was a great vocal take, except the last half of the bridge you yeah. know, was better on this take. Yeah. I guess if you had live takes. Because there's no click. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> I can't do the click. I mean, I have Chris so you Powell. You, but I, so you, theoretically, he's the click. you can edit another take <laughs> in, but if you don't have a click, yeah, you're, not a, you're off yeah. the grid. And I pretty much stay where I started for yeah. the most well, part. No, I, kind of. I love it. I, think, <laughs> I don't know where, the, Lori, we could have a whole podcast, me yelling about <laughs> where did this click come from? That was not around when Beethoven was around. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like music. I can't do it. I mean, music. Real music moves. People, I mean, mm -hmm. it speeds up. It slows down. It's it's like a heartbeat. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. i have sort of like kind of my favorite moments in the studio have become those those moments where I look up at Dave and he's looking at me like, where where is she going? <laughs> where is she moving now? But they all follow. Like in my in my band, my live band, my Boston band's the same way. They just my drummer. His in ears, the loudest thing is is me because yeah. he's just he's, he's following just following, you, which is that that's the sweetest thing in the world, right there. Well, but you're having experience with the audience, and that's really kind of dictating too what where you're at tempo wise. Mm. And if you had yeah. a drummer back there banging a click, you know, yeah, I'd be and, lost. and holding you down I'd if you lost. want, it'd be terrible. I don't I like him either. I don't. <laughs> um, now the first is the is it? Uh, yeah, people get old. People get old. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I was listening to it this morning. It's really great. Thank you, thank you. And the first line of that said, is it youth is wasted on the young? Yeah, someone said youth is wasted on the I, young. We, somebody, I was just talking about that three days ago to somebody, that quote. And that's really? a great quote. Yeah. It is. It's, so, it's, it's true, so true, but so, you know, how we wouldn't want it any other way. But yeah. it is so true. And um, the other thing about, you know, I tend to write nostalgic songs. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you, you know, maybe you do too. I know, like. I tend to gravitate to the to the my co-writer friends that are in the same world as, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of that 
is again for my kids because you watch your kids go through everything that get like the minute you're watching your son drive out of the driveway and with his license by himself the first time you remember the time you did that yeah and i think that that as as songwriters we now we then have a vehicle to put that in you know where like my husband the gas man mm-hmm. he's just gotta go and locate gas for the day he doesn't have a, a, a way of taking that emotion right. and putting it somewhere and that's why i think you know songwriting is the greatest job in the world it really is now i've got to ask you so because i've met gene several times he's a mm-hmm. great guy your husband yeah is he do you like when you make a record do you run it by him first does he have opinions uh, musically no or, he or has he, no opinions he wow. does okay. he doesn't I, I thought so i have never written a song where he's like good lord where yeah. <laughs> you know and it, uh, years ago there was a lot of alcoholism and people running away from each other in, in my music and um and there's not as much as that na- uh, now. I know, but for real. And he, that guy, to his credit, has never told, has never tried to edit me. And it's because he knows the way my brain works. It's like, you know, as a songwriter, you have three minutes and twenty seconds, roughly, mm-hmm. to get your point across. You have to go, you know, right for the to the vein, really, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, and you have to rhyme on top of it. So you got those yeah. <laughs> things. Uh, he he really, you know. Um, he after the record's done I'll play him the record mm-hmm. um, a lot of times after a song is written I'll play him people get old he helped me a little bit with because my dad was always in a three piece suit and his dad was like the fisherman you know right. like he oh, was okay. gonna take and I said what did your dad used to wear and he's like I don't know like cut off t-shirt with sleeves cut off and you know like so his dad's in that song a little bit too and that song makes him a little emotional because of that I think but sometimes I'll play him a song at the end of the day um, like Humble and Kind, I know I played him because I was sitting in the same spot, you know, when he left that morning, and I just said, you know, I just wrote this, and and he'll say like, geez, you know, you should send that to Tim or whatever. Oh, okay, so he's. But the artist, the this like the record making, like he hasn't listened to the whole record, the tree, you know, even though we've had it at home wow. for a while. Okay. He'll he'll listen in pieces mm-hmm. and he'll go to the show and like he'll absorb it that way. But he's so not he a music to... guy in that way. I got you. But maybe also he's letting you do your thing. Yeah. Oh no, a hundred percent. Like know, he, he doesn't he want to be. Doesn't get in the way. Like he doesn't so want to get in the way. Well, I think that's so fantastic yeah. because there are. I have seen the dynamic differently. You mm-hmm. know, and where. Yeah, I don't you know, know what I would do. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah, I don't. I that think, would be really hard. I think he's a smart guy. I, I think, think that's why a lot of musicians end up with the musicians because yes, yes. He, if you don't have somebody in your corner like that that understands it's music. I've done it to my kids that are songwriters. I'm like, what is he talking about in there? Like, should I be worried? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, I know better than this. It's a song. It's a song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's true. I hadn't thought of it that way. So when you were starting out. So you had given, so it, it definitely happened for you different than I've heard mm-hmm. most stories. Somebody had passed your music along, yep. and you, you went right up the food chain to Missy, yep. Gallimore. Yeah. Now, did they cut one of those songs? Yeah, so, so <clears throat> Mary Gaucher gives a record to Melanie Howard. Melanie Howard plays, I guess, Stealing Kisses yep. or Fireflies to Missy Gallimore. She plays it for Faith, and Faith... I think at this point, that this was a Fireflies record, but I, rumor has it at that point she had cut many songs, yeah, I think, I by think the time I came along. Yeah. And Faith came back and said, I want to hear 
every you know what what else does this mm-hmm. songwriter have and i think it was that domestic piece of what i do that she saw in a different way like she wasn't seeing maybe somewhere else and that sort of attracted her to to my music and because at the end of the day we're both just moms you know and uh and so that happened in may my son david was born may 10th of 2004 Mm -hmm. i got a phone call from that was also the day bitter town my record bitter town came out and david came out (laughs) and uh and i got a call from from mary like around june and she said i'm gonna play your songs for this publisher friend of mine, Melanie Howard, I was like, that would be amazing. Melanie called me in August, and Faith cut five songs by Thanksgiving. Wow. And three of them ended up on the record. Yeah, One was a I bonus remember. track. And, and so I that remember, record, yeah. Fireflies, came out in August of the following year. Um, I'm not sure. Mississippi Girl would have been the first mm-hmm. single. I'm not sure. That maybe came out in the spring. Yeah. And that was just rolling up the charts, and then the record came out, and... She took me on Oprah, and I, 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 that luck that took that song mm-hmm. to Missy and Missy to Faith, but there was also like some sort of connection that something in me that Faith saw that she understood, and she just took me under her wing. Well, she was, I remember because we were around in that orbit trying to get yeah. on her records. Yeah. I remember Amy coming in, we were in the car, and she's like, I talked to Missy today. There's some new girl who's got five faith cuts. And we were like, what? <laughs> Who is she? Lori McKenna. Where? Well, she lives in Boston. Let's kill her. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Well, no, we wanted to hear it. Yeah. We wanted to hear yeah. what you were doing. And we went out and found your music. And, of course, we loved it, too. I think Faith was searching in that time. And she she kind of found your... That's what she does. She yeah, has done she that for do other that. records, yes. for Cry. A lot she, of, artists, a lot of country artists do yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that... Um, I mean, I just love that woman. I mean, I love mm-hmm. the McGraws altogether. They have been, they are the greatest people. Yep. Um, and they have been my angels in this, in this mm-hmm. musical world. And also just as a human, they, you know, music has brought me the people that make me want to be a better human just as much as any other part of my life. But especially, I think because we talk to each other so much and we get to understand each other so much in what yeah. we do. But, you know, like, I, like at home, we always say like, well, what would Barry Dean do? What would Tom Douglas do? Yeah. You know, like these are people that make you want to be a yes. better person. Uh, yeah, especially those two names you just threw out. Yeah. I don't even know how to say it. They're, those are people that, that I look up to. Yeah. Both I've, those men, I think, are, I don't know if you find I, a better guy faith. out there. Yeah, you just don't. These are people, that, that's how I saw Faith is Faith and, and Tim together when I went, I went on a tour with them mm-hmm. and saw them with their children and... Um, and I would say to Faith every night when they would do um, I Need You, you know, they would sit yeah. together with their knees, uh, you know. And I, I, like, I told her, I would tell her all the time, like, that song makes married people, mm-hmm. like, proud to be married. Yeah. Like, it makes, or, or people in a relationship, sure. anybody, like, yeah. that makes you, like, you need that reminder every now and oh, then to be like, do. hey, it's not always easy, but God, like, we have somebody like that yeah. in our life. And, and that's a blessing. And. I just think they've just been they've just been well, so, she's so a, much for me. She's a super mom too. Oh yeah. I don't think people maybe know that about her. Yeah. But really, her and Martina both. God's I mean, I've been in the school pickup line with Faith Hill. Yeah. Yeah, she's oh, there every morning. <laughs> I know. I've seen uh, the Warren brothers just tell me Tim would fly in from a gig on his plane, mm-hmm. get home at two in the morning, 
and she'd have him out there at the school taking mm-hmm. the girls yeah. at like 6.30 in line dropping them off. Oh, you know? yeah, I'm sure. Like I'm every sure. morning. Yeah, and that you got to love that. I about, do love it. I um, do. A, and I think that's what keeps them in touch with their audience, you mm-hmm. know, as well. Mm-hmm. It's like people, you know... Even though they are beautiful pe- people to look at, sure. they are just beautiful people, yeah. 100%. Um, you have such a strong identity as a singer-writer, you know, performing writer. Where you do your own material, mm-hmm. you make records, you go play in audiences. Um, when you come into a Nashville co-write, are you, do you put on the other hat? Do you say... Do you get songs that you record out of co-writes, or is that a completely different deal for you? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, and, and I'm lucky, especially now. I've always been lucky with co-writers. Like, I've always enjoyed, even if it's not a great song, I've sort of always really been lucky that always enjoyed, mostly always enjoyed the experience. Like, I mean, yeah. almost all the time. I, I'm like that, too. Everybody has a day. Like, oh, yeah, oh, I could sure. live without that day. Yeah. But you still you learn something. But I've... Um, now I'm in sort of like the, the group that I end up writing with. Like I wrote with Luke Laird yesterday uh, and it's like he knows that I'm probably going to play this in Dadgad, you know, mm-hmm. where he's like, you, right. you, like Luke Laird plays the guitar amazing, like yeah. far better than I do. But he wants me to try it in Dadgad just to see if it will bring something different to sure. the song. Which is like so great, like for the great guitar player in the room to ask me to try to play. But you know what I mean? He's smart because he he knows all of his tricks and he's probably sick of them. He and wants I'm to see what yeah. you do. <laughs> it's so funny though because I'm I'm always like, yeah, oh my melodies, you know. But um, and so I get to work with people that sort of they know probably better than I do what okay. my tricks are, right. and then it will. But the tree, which you know is the mm-hmm. title track of the record that I've coming out on, I wrote with. Um, I wrote that with Aaron Raytier and I always say his name wrong and Natalie Hemby and we, oh, were, okay. we were on a song camp trying to write songs for this movie that was wow. going to be made and um, and it was there was a line in the movie or a possible line in the movie where the guy says you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and we wrote that for you know to get pitched for a movie mm-hmm. and we all had one of those magical experiences where we all identified with the song in some way or another we all like found our families in it somehow had this great time writing it and we were all kind of like hoping like maybe they won't need it for the movie <laughs> wow. and it didn't it didn't make it past uh, like the first okay. round of isn't that crazy when of, that happens of and moviness you, and, we and, were, and I was yeah. like well can I have it? So you were like, I'm going to put this. Yeah, on. and I think that if Natalie was going to make a, I would hope my hope would be if Natalie's going to make a record, she would want it. Another, and if she's Aaron's another great gonna, singer. Yeah, I mean that's the best. Like when you write a song with your friends and everybody wants to put it on their record. Yeah, that's you know? how you know. That's great. That's true. That's, that's when true. you know. I mean, happy people. I, I cut for mm-hmm. this record, and I wrote that with Haley Witters, and she she's like, well, I'm going to put it on my record too. It's there like that's go. the best. Yeah. You know, when we all want to do it. Yeah. Well, I know you have to go. I just want to say, uh, Lori McKenna, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you for me. being on Pitch List. Uh, I really think the uh, people who listen to the podcast are going to love this because um, you are the real deal, my friend. <laughs> thank you. Well, you you're really the real are. deal, too, pal. Well, I don't, I don't make uh, the records you make, and I'm telling you, you're the real deal. And I'm just going to say it. You make incredible records that are completely grounded in the earth. You sing like an angel. You have a beautiful family. You're an incredible person. I've never seen you be grumpy, and I've been around you a lot. You are 
<laughs> and then in the middle of this business, which can be crazy, you have completely kept your center, and it's impressive. Well, thank you. And I, I mean, have always thought just crazy. I just think you're awesome. Thank you so much. That's I, really sweet of you. And I also want to say to everybody listening, uh, July 20th, your record comes out. Yes. It's called yep. The Tree. The Tree, yep. Go get this record. Do yourself <laughs> a favor and get this record. Thanks, Chris. You're Thank awesome. You. Okay, talk to you soon. Love Bye. hanging with you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pitch List, the songwriter's podcast. 